Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 225th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of Stools and More, and I'm here with my co-host Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop. Tonight, we're talking with Austin Waldo, the Managing Director of the Austin School of Furniture and Design and the organizer slash grand poobah of the <laughs> Texas Woodworking Festival coming up on April 6th. So, uh, Austin, welcome to the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, good to have you, man. Well, great, great. So, um, before we uh, get started into our, our main topic, a couple of things I wanted to mention that kind of piqued my interest um, around over the last uh, uh, week or so, and that was Bridge City Tools. Um, their uh, their tools are now available at Lee Valley. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Some of you all may remember that, uh, and I always pr- mispronounce his name, Mike Economy <laughs> Mac, Mac, I want to, anyway. The, the mm-hmm. owner of Bridge City Toolworks. Um, anyway, he recently, I think they had a bunch of people that kind of retired or moved away from Bridge City Tools. So he was going back and forth, and he actually decided to sell, um, I guess, the company to Harvey Tools. Now, Harvey Tools, you might remember, is a uh, kind of a high-end Chinese manufacturer. And uh, they brought some of their tools into the uh, U.S., namely a lathe and a dust collection system, a uh, turbine dust collection system that uh, I know I talked about a few months ago. And uh, they also make a number of tools for all kinds of manufacturers, but they were making the chopstick maker that uh, Bridge City came out with for them. So it made a natural fit for them to also do the other tooling. And, you know, it's it looks pretty competitive, and I encourage you to check it out at Lee Valley. They... They have some fantastic-looking tools. Yeah. So That's before great. we get e- before we get emails, it's John Economaki. There you go, John. Economaki. Is, is, I did say who, Mike. I said Mike. John. Economaki. Yeah, you did. It's okay. Okay. Um, so really, uh, so he handed off all fabrication to, or I mean, if, if he sold the entire mm-hmm. the entire company, that's crazy. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this. Yeah, I've always yeah. Admired Apparently, he's still going to be involved in you know helping design new tools and involved in the process for the next couple of years. But I imagine. Okay. He'll, retire fully after that point but yeah know. i would think so he was so yeah. meticulous in his detail yeah. i mean this was an a machinist brought into the woodworking world and what he what he created yeah. you know that, that he was oh that's awesome yeah yeah and i don't know it seems to me like the tools um are also you know using i guess some economies of scale that they have there in china also at a lower price point yeah i yeah. don't i don't recall you know pricing yeah. as it was when it was first introduced but yeah um that chop that chopstick master which is basically a uh, i mean it's like a, a, a rail for a plane to taper a thin stick yeah you know make chopsticks is what you need to do but it's it's up there near 300 dollars still so it's not it was expensive before i know and i uh you know they may have refined it just a bit mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is super cool. I mean, good to see Lee Valley branching out 
and and you know picking that up and make sure it's still available to people too. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. And let's see the other thing quickly moving on that um, that interests me was Mike Dunbar is now on YouTube. You might know him from he's written a number of articles in magazines and has a book on making Windsor chairs. So this is definitely in my wheelhouse. And I believe it was probably two to four years ago. Um, he closed down his school and basically he retired. Uh, the school is called the Windsor Institute. And I, he taught scores and scores of people on how to make uh, Windsor chairs. And he just recently is releasing videos on there. I think he's got eight or nine up there right now. And he's making a, a sack back Windsor. And I've known of Mike Dunbar, and I know he was a Windsor chairmaker, but I've never really studied his Windsor techniques, and they do differ from a lot of folks out there. So it's kind of very interesting for me to see, hey, here's another take on, you know, drilling. Here's another take on making spindles. So it's it's kind of interesting. For sure. That's, yeah. um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so on YouTube... Um, it is, uh, the channel's name is the Windsor Institute. So do you think he's, is he using us as a new way of, of continuing to teach? I'm hoping so. It it seems that way. Um, and it seems, you know, I don't know how he's monetizing it. Um, maybe from ads on YouTube, but I assume he'll probably, um, sell designs and, um, you know, maybe some, uh, Windsor tooling. I went out to his website just to check to see if he did have anything other than books for sale. Um, but, uh, n- nothing as of yet. Um, what I did find interesting was he has a whole series of, uh, I guess, science fiction books on time travel. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, um, obviously a man of many talents there. So, I saw that. I went, hmm, that's interesting. But Yeah, um, not what you expected. That's yeah. kind of cool. But anyone, you know, to uh, get a, you know, a, learn some new techniques or, or see how someone else makes a Windsor chair and uh, encourage them to do that. I've run through, I think, about seven of the episodes so far. And uh, they're very informative. I find them uh, very nice. Oh, excellent. So... With that said, so uh, what's in the shop, Sean? What are you working on? So w- what what I worked on specifically yesterday wasn't in the shop, but it was in the kitchen. So I think that still counts because I'm working with my hands, damn it. And uh, I make a mean apple pie. Ooh. And so <laughs> a good old uh, Polish, my Polish grandfather's old recipe, uh, handmade crust and all apple pie. Wish you could have it. It smells fantastic. It tasted even better today. There was a work potluck, so that's my uh, my contribution. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you eat the uh, cheddar cheese with the apple pie? What? No. Oh, really? <laughs> what the hell is that? Is that a Texas thing? Cheddar I... cheese and apple pie? Yes, yes. I literally have never heard of that. Really, really, I have. I don't know if it is a Texas thing or not. Yeah, um, so yeah it, I've heard of it as well. Okay, specific, and I don't mean to really like. <laughs> I'm not trying to like beat it down like it's the worst thing in the world. I, I le- legitimately have never heard of that. But um, the version I make it has like a sugar crumb topping. It's not like a laced woven mm-hmm. or even pie, pie topping crust type thing. Yeah. So maybe that's a little different. And so it's a it's a cinnamon sugar mixture of the apples. Well, well, that, yeah. So geez, some. I, yeah, some people just, just put a slice of cheese or, you know, take a bite of apple pie and a bite of cheddar cheese. So give it a, tr- oh. give it a shot. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to. Sharp better on there. Yeah, sharp. Yeah, yeah it's got to be the sharp stuff. So just to cut the sweetness a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I've, I've literally never heard of that. Huh. Anyway, so uh, probably not food related, <laughs> but what are you working on there, Kyle? Uh, still working on stools and boxes. So um, You're prototyping or are you... No, it's it's kind of... Uh, the stools are, are not prototypes at this point. It, it's okay. the finished finished tools for for the little commission i had but they're real close to the prototypes i just made a, some slight changes but um the boxes are of course christmas presents or new year's presents <laughs> you um, know as we eat closer and closer <laughs> yeah i'd have to finish them by this weekend which is possible but we'll see we'll see how it goes so that's that's really that's really all i've been working on but uh Austin, so uh, what's going on in your shop? Well, there's a lot going in the shop. There's also yeah. a large shop going in. We are <laughs> kind of currently in the process of, of moving the school. So we're, we're building out an entire bench room and machine room for the school. Well, that's wow. cool. So you're moving into a new facility. So, so tell, us a little bit, tell us a little bit about Austin School of Furniture and Design, your old facility and your new facility. And first question, yeah. first question I have, is it named after the city it's located in or you? Well, <laughs> you know, like the, the kind of mystery around, is it named GIF or JIF? It's just uh-huh. one of those things that we may tr- never really actually know the answer to. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the answer to that is just always yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. Is it, is it you or is it awesome? Oh, yeah. Yes. Correct. Yes. All right. So, so well, the... Yeah, tell us a little bit about the school. You are the managing director. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I started the school still this year, actually. We, we have mm. uh, yet to even had our one-year anniversary, and we kind of started with a whole bunch of people that were involved, and there was a whole backstory of, of kind of why we decided to do it. Uh, but we had a really good support group of, of some furniture makers here in town, uh, Leslie Webb, Philip Morley, Aaron Fox, and Shoti Yamaguchi, and we all kind of got together and, and came up with this idea for the school and then I kind of ran with that and took the reins, and we we started up uh, forming the business in, in January. But we offered our first class last April, kind of some test classes and, and with real small uh, amounts of students, and, and kind of saw that we had something that people were really excited about it. We've slowly grown and bought more tools. And we did more classes with those tools, and and so on. And we, you know, knew that we'd be outgrowing our current, our space that we were in, which was in a woodworking kind of cooperative community shop in South Austin called Toolmarks ATX. So it was mm-hmm. part-time and full-time woodworkers that were paying for a membership out of that space. We rented some space from them. And the, the original school, and this I'm sure this will be one of the things that we'll talk about years from now, was 261 square feet. So we had a, a teacher and all of our students all in that one room. Wow. That, that current footprint or that, excuse me, that past footprint had no machines. It was all hand tools. And that wasn't necessarily out of principle. That was just purely based on the fact that we did not have room for them. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we kind of waited for um, kind of the opportunity to come around. And, and this sort of woodworking lease perfect storm of a whole bunch of things happening came about and – through one of our board of uh, advisors who runs a what would be what I would qualify as more of an artist collective in East Austin, we figured out that there was an amazing warehouse in East Austin that was gigantic 
And if we all decided to move at the same time, we could actually make it work to where we could take over this warehouse that was about 22,000 square feet. And it would be kind of a mutually beneficial relationship with with all these different type of artists, not just woodworkers and furniture makers, uh, to be able to have this amazing shop uh, where we each kind of have our own private dedicated space, but yet it's it's a shared community and there's all these different aspects of what happens in that warehouse that makes it really fun. So we, we basically started the move a couple weeks ago and have been outfitting the shop with all new tools and we've been assembling those and calibrating those. We've been building walls, we've been um, building cabinets, uh, all kinds of things from from small kind of shop projects to real detailed things that were you know, cutting dovetails for the extra workbenches that we're building, sharpening tools, flattening tools, pretty much everything you need, need to do to, to get ready for running a school. And we're doing it all over again. <laughs> wow. Well, how big is the new, new space? So you're moving from 200 and some odd square feet to mm-hmm. what? The yeah the the footprint of what the school will have its dedicated space is a little bit over a thousand square feet. Oh, so nice! Yeah. More than more than four four times bigger. It's it's still not a gigantic shop for sure, mm-hmm. but there's some shared aspects to the space where we'll have a little bit more room, but we'll have all of our our kind of hand tool hand tools in our own kind of closed off air, you know, climate controlled bench room, and then an open air uh, machine room. Okay. Okay. Cool. So. So you can like store materials and stuff, not necessarily in that thousand square foot, like like wood and stuff of that nature, in a, in a another area type. Yeah, like yeah, area. And, yeah. You know, having you know uh, this gigantic warehouse, mm-hmm. we have a you know full loading dock. There's five or six man doors. There's other bay doors that are ramps in. Uh, we have a forklift that we can use for different things, and there's some kind of general uh, easements of a public space for everybody to use. Uh, even some temporary project classes, uh, you know, if we got to a point where we were wanting to do a, a canoe class, that's, you know, anybody that does a canoe has to have some serious square footage when you're doing mm-hmm. at least one. If you're mm-hmm. doing, you know, eight, nine, ten of those, you got to have a lot of room. So there, there's kind of an event space that we can actually utilize uh, to do class overflow for, you know, a weekend or something like that. Now, you're piquing my interest. Are you seriously mm-hmm. going to have a canoe class? I would love to, and this particular location is right across the street from from the river that runs through Austin. Mm-hmm. So I'm just imagining on the last day of class, that's kind of the the capstone: is you pick up your canoe and you walk across the street and throw it in the river and paddle back home. That's it. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, that's on my bucket list. I'd be very interested. That would have to be a long class, though, wouldn't it? It'd, it would be. Yeah, yeah like which it would it would be difficult to be able to. Um, figure out how to have all that much space for that long of time. Yeah. We have to figure out a way we kind of put them back at night so people could move through the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, depending, I mean, you'd have to start that real small too. I mean, just have maybe two people building, you know, just to I mean, try it. I, I can't imagine you having a dozen people in there, even at a thousand square feet, you know, yeah. doing that. And then the pure amount of resources needed to, to, to do that all at, in that, in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. I most recently I've, I mean I'm are you doing like a like a strip strip canoe or like what what style would you be looking at probably yeah and that you know the canoe class is on my what I what I have is the wish list class mm-hmm. you know oh maybe, right 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 great okay. awesome workbenches and large you know different types of tables that would be great for a really fun kind of advanced class but we do actually have to take the size of the project into consideration 
mm-hmm. just because we, we simply don't really have room for eight people to build a workbench on top of their workbench. It just doesn't really work right. uh, with what we're at right now. And there is definitely options for us to expand within that space. So it may be something that we end up doing further down the down, down the road, year two, year three, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, before, that would be super cool. Before I forget, I, I did uh, visit your your prior facility now, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. before y'all moved out. And uh, I, I wanted to uh, just uh, have you expound on your workbenches. We've talked here on this podcast a number of times about using uh, LVL and, uh, I guess, engineered uh, trusses and beams and um, glue lamps and... What is Diami always using? Um, Timber timber strand. Timber strand. Timber strand. Mm -hmm. Timber strand. Boards for for projects. But tell us a little bit about those workbenches because they kind of use a version of uh, LVL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I believe the – it's made by a company called Pohlmeyer. And, you know, I'm sure there's a a special way to pronounce this word, but it doesn't seem like a German word to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Babucci or something like that along those lines. Uh, that's the kind of name of the product. It's it's a a beach vertically laminated veneer that's compressed into that these engineered slabs. So you'll you'll see them use it for everything from structural flooring to posts and beam structures. They use some really interesting stuff with it, and they even make uh, some tongue and groove flooring that you can get to actually have on kind of basketball courts and things like that. And there's a place that so- sells that locally, and it's it's actually extremely time and cost effective when you want uh, a, a pretty flat slab mm-hmm. just right right off the truck uh, we don't cut them to width we don't um only one of them have i actually had to flatten a little bit and wow. we just go with that width and we, we kind of cut some slots into them for a, a screw vise and, and wrap them in beach and put some dovetails on there and they're stable enough to have hardwood around them that they don't really uh, move enough to to you know, affect that in any way and it, you come out with a really awesome, durable uh, wood top really quickly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the di- the difference between that and what is like timber strand, where timber strand is basically OSB. It's chipboard compressed mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. larger than sheet goods. Um, this looks like it's laminated stacks of like lumber, like milled lumber. Mm-hmm. It looks like maybe yeah. thinner thinner stock laminated together. It's not so randomized. But it's structurally sound in its given dimension. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of crazy. I've never heard of that, but yeah, yeah I would agree. It's babush, babuchi. I don't know how you say it. <laughs> yeah, say it, but yeah, it's an interesting yeah. word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It is interesting material, and it and it just uh, captivated me when I saw it, saw it because I hadn't seen it ever before. I uh, visited your shop because I have a LVL bench, and it's served me well. I've never had to flatten it, uh, and I really like it. But yeah, the standard LVL you get around here does have voids and things of that nature, and this <clears> stuff is just all you know. Yeah, I could see you could use it for flooring, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it comes yeah. in thirteen and a half foot slabs that are about three hundred fifty pounds. Ooh. So you better better make sure to call some some buddies over when they deliver that. <laughs> wow. So anyway, but it, I, I did want you to go into that because that d- did fascinate me when I when I visited uh, your your prior facility. But um, to get back on to uh, a little bit more about the school, so you're moving into these new facilities. So when do you think you're going to be open for business? Well, hopefully by the the first class, which is January 9th. We have a, a marking, measuring, and layout class with Philip Morley. 
Okay. Cool. That as we record that, that's within three weeks or so. So that you know, best of luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, you know, the majority of the the work that is unfinished at this point is is uh, focused around the machines, which that that particular class does not involve machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a class that Philip kind of designed around his traditional uh, education and, and trade school over in London. And it was more of a skills-based class of just uh, a skill that you don't really think of of something that you learn during a class. It's just it's literally just marking, measuring, and layout. And uh, that's what you do through the class. You go through some really fun exercises and learn a whole bunch of, of tips and tricks that really help you understand what you're doing to lay out complex joinery and how to use the actual tools. And things as simple as why does the cleat on my tape measure move something like that is Mm. something that it's not a big enough issue that people really you know you don't make a video all around why my cleat moves on in youtube but you'll see people uh as they measure putting their other finger on the cleat Mm -hmm. to push it back it's like no that there's a reason why that moves since all these different measuring tools have those kinds of ins and outs that are really helpful to learn to to really help you master these individual yet simple tools. So, so the machines you're going to have in in the new facility. So, uh, what types of machines are you going to have there? Yeah, the full the full spectrum of kind of a, a standard shop. Okay, we'll have multiples of of all the milling. So we'll have joiners and planers, uh, multiples of that, and then we'll have drill press, bandsaw, a whole set of of trim and and plunge routers. Uh, obviously dust collection to, to hopefully suck all the, the dust away. And, and then we'll try to get into some kind of auxiliary tools for specific classes like the hollow chisel mortisers, um, jigs for certain classes. We'll be building a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll get into anything too crazy um, that's really specific. I would love to do turning classes. And I think that's definitely in the game plan. Mm-hmm. But lathes are so specific that you you only turn wood on on a lathe and when you're not turning wood you're not using that and that takes up square footage so we're, we're trying to figure out you know exactly what tools we need mm-hmm. um for multiple classes so you know one of the joiners that we're getting is is a, a mini max joiner planer so it takes oh, up a nice. little bit less room because it's one tool mm-hmm. well yeah because I... even at a thousand square feet i mean you're you're space is is of essence you need to make sure you're not just slamming it in there because i mean you mentioned about a dozen people i mean is that your average class size or what you're aiming to do no no that that was more of a if we use that bigger event space that's oh, okay that one event space is you know twice as big as our our actual space <laughs> so the previous location the max class size was five and moving to this location the max will be eight okay. even with that uh, there are some classes, and this is more of a, a personal preference, that one teacher to eight students can be can be a bit much. Uh, I love having really good interaction with the teacher if I'm taking a particular class. And if you have really big class sizes, sometimes that's difficult. So we mm-hmm. do have a, a teaching assistant that we will be bringing in every time we get to you know eight for uh, classes, especially that involve power tools that might be doing something a little bit more dangerous. Uh, if it's a you know a simple technical drawing class, you know having more students is going to be fine. But generally speaking, we don't like to go above the one to six, one to seven ratio. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your instructors and classes because you have some fine instructors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's um i've been really happy with just mm -hmm. kind of the support of the community of people reaching out to me I, I haven't really had to do too much advertising to try to find folks and there's mm -hmm. lots of really really talented folks especially in this kind of central texas area so right now the majority of the teachers that we have are local uh, we're looking to start to expand and, and bring in people from out of out of central texas and out mm -hmm. of texas and even out of this kind of region uh, as the school grows and can facilitate that i uh recently um, had the pleasure of meeting michael fortune at the texas woodworkers uh, texas french makers show mm -hmm. and jokingly said you know maybe one day we could we could afford to bring you down and he's like yeah when do you want me mm. and it's like wow that would be amazing let's uh let's start talking so I, i'm hoping that we can maybe arrange that for 2019 oh yeah yeah he's a great guy i've met him a, a couple of times and yeah he's more than helpful anything you you ask for him he's right on top of it so that would be fantastic he'd be great um now in texas um how many woodworking schools are there? Is it just a couple? That's all I well, really know of. I think yeah. it, I think it depends on what you define as a woodworking school. Places yeah. that offer woodworking classes, there's mm. there's lots of places, and many of them are, are really really good. And I've taken classes from lots of them. Yeah, woodworking I'm about schools. Getting, yeah, I'm talking about getting involved. Yeah, more more of the school things, uh, not junior colleges or woodcraft. I'm talking about yeah, pretty much uh, dedicated. Um, I guess schools with instructors coming in and teaching week long and and so forth classes. Mm -hmm. The only one I'm aware of is, is the Heritage School that's up in Waco, and I yeah. apologize. If there's other ones out there that I don't know about, but that's I believe the only one I know of that's not some other art museum or community mm -hmm. college or something offering mm -hmm. classes. Yeah, that's all I know of too. So um, yeah, I was just going to compare notes there. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be great for, uh, you know, this area could certainly use something like that. Uh, we're kind of devoid. I've taken a number of classes, and it always seems like, you know, always got to budget in a plane ride, hotel, you know, all of those <laughs> all of those things to get somewhere up, usually in the uh, northeast area to, uh, to take some of the classes I have. So it's really great that you're doing this here uh, centrally located. I'm sure, you know, uh, other other people in surrounding states will be happy to come down and, and take classes. It'll be a lot more convenient for them. We hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. So is your, is your structure going to be um, like, there's an introductory thing like the introduction to marking and measuring that you previously mm -hmm. mentioned is then like, is there a follow-up where like now you use that and then, or is there prerequisites to take any classes, a certain skill level that you can, you know, are are known to have or or can demonstrate or mm -hmm. is it all kind of open like anybody off the street could actually walk in here and learn what we're teaching today kind of thing pretty much everything you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> okay a little uh, bit of everything the, the idea is, is um to give people what they want so there there are people that are kind of at an intermediate uh, and above level that that want to learn purely just a skill to then go and take it to their own project uh, so we want to have these kind of one-off skills classes that stand alone, either at a beginner level or have some sort of generic prerequisite to them. Uh, then obviously very specific project classes. And then really what we, we hope to get into a lot more into 2019, 2020 is these sequential kind of classes that are that um, track or path towards becoming a furniture maker from a lower kind of 
level or you know even if it's a higher level and you're just kind of going back to the basics and starting over we do want to have a path that people can follow that if they want to go uh eventually to, to become a professional furniture maker mm-hmm. oh that would be fantastic so yeah i think i think um the mark adams school does does something like that i've never had a chance of getting there but that's you know what chicago area but i i i've looked at the classes interested just never been able to connect it um but it was something about like, oh yeah, you know, this class. If you're if you're first time here, you have this to choose from. If you're a second timer, you can choose from this set here, and it's it's kind of cool to to offer that progression. Again, you know, maybe maybe you want to be a professional woodworker, furniture builder, whatever, or or just to advance your skills along the way. It's you mm-hmm. know, but obviously starting out, you know, you can't jump into that too too early. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be much. Yeah, we we try to make it pretty clear what the skill prerequisites would be and kind of what the knowledge base would be for the certain classes. Uh, but yeah, we want to make sure that whatever level or skill, uh, background, whatever you might be coming from, you have, there's a class for you. Um, we're not quite there. You know, where we are lacking right now is actually on the advanced side. And that's just partly because we're still growing. We want to make sure that we're filling the mm-hmm. funnel for mm-hmm. those advanced classes with people who have had the ability to get to that level. Uh, and I think we'll definitely be offering a lot more higher level classes in this next year. Yeah, that's awesome. Has the responses you guys been moving in, building in? Have you had people walking up going, oh, what are you guys doing and, and showing interest in it? Like just real locally? N- not necessarily walk up. Um, yeah, I mean, that might be a bit much. It's, it's, it's an interesting location. It's very, very visible. It's right on the side, but it's not necessarily a walking um, street, partly because it's it's right in the heart of kind of the Austin artist community, and the two streets that are on either side that kind of go away from the building is, is really where you would be walking. Now, I oh. think that will definitely change for a lot of the different types of artist events that happen. There's one particular event called East, the East Austin Studio Tour, that is kind of a self-guided tour that has thousands and thousands of participants uh, in that event, and I think that will be huge for this particular location because all those individual artists uh, basically register for the event and they have a kind of a pin on the map and people have this self-guided tour. So I think that's going to be an event where we will have thousands of people come through the space. Mm-hmm. Now, have, have y'all uh, given any thought to branch it out into teaching things like uh, CNC and uh, other types of machinery like that? Funny you should ask that. Yes, we have. <laughs> uh, we have actually kind of uh, just started a partnership with another gentleman who has moved into the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's name is Michael Gutierrez. He's on Instagram as Michael Maximo and makes some really, really awesome furniture. And you can tell in a lot of his work, is it's very CNC heavy, mm-hmm. uh, has some really crazy topographical sound wave water-esque shapes on some of these credenzas. So he really knows how to make furniture and he, he uses the CNC. Well, he is what I would call as a, a tech shop refugee. He was running his mm-hmm. business out of out of tech shop for a while, and unfortunately, when they closed, he was kind of out of uh, out of a home. And he mm-hmm. moved into this the artist community that I had mentioned earlier called Splinter Group, and he's been building stuff out of there, and has kept in touch with that tech shop community, which is you know a previous makerspace on the tech heavier side of of making things and started another company called route space that is going to be opening i believe in january and it's just a membership based cnc machine that you 
like a gym membership, just rent a membership and you have access to this five by 10 shot bot. The school is going to be running their certification programs for that and running classes through them. So they are moving into the same space. We'll have access to that CNC machine to be able to teach classes. Oh, wow. That's wow. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something I've always wanted to uh, to dip my toes into. And uh, doing something like that would definitely be a way to go without having to spend the, I don't know, I think a decent CNC machine is going to go for three to seven thousand dollars. It looks like. Yeah, and, the, and the space it takes up. Too. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Way to do that. They have gotten way less expensive recently. The some of the DIY kind of bench top ones. Yeah. I think you can get even a, a decent one from Inventables for uh, around a thousand dollars and a little bit up from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard some pros and cons with that. I just like. All right, how much is the Powermatic one? Yeah. <laughs> What's the one that April Wilkinson just got? That's the... Um, Laguna. Yeah, the yeah, Laguna. They, that one. I mean, yeah, you want to talk about just... Make, yeah, they make some nice stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, I can't... I, yeah, I don't know how much that one know, costs. I've heard of but... them. Yeah, yeah, so... And, and the stuff from, like, CNC router parts, those things are phenomenal. That's a little more DIY if you're, if you're into constructing the whole thing, but they... What those produce are phenomenal for sure yeah no that but that's super cool i mean that's what an odd odd thing like we you know around us you know in northwest ohio there's not schools or anything like that and i hear people talking every once in a while about where can you know where is there a makerspace if there could if we can find one and they're like hour drives away Mm -hmm. so it's just hard to come by so i mean offering something up especially in an art heavy district where there's just going to be a lot of creativity and a lot of making like that that undoubtedly is going to be a very popular thing mm-hmm. yeah and I, I can see everybody utilizing it just not the furniture makers this uh, in this particular space there's there's a cobbler there's a whole bunch of metal workers there's a um, high-end mechanical pencil maker you know we've, he's been talking to you know all these folks about helping to make jigs and building stuff for their individual studios. And, you know, it's really going to be kind of this cool asset to the artist community in the area. Well, you got me with high-end mechanical pencils. I need to know more about that. Yeah, well, I'll have to look up. <laughs> I, he, I met him a couple days ago and when he was uh, checking out his space to move in. And he said he had a Kickstarter uh, that just recently um, hit the goal and went really high. And I can't remember... I've been trying to find it for a couple of days. I, I oh, know man. he's going to come back to space because he's renting space there. Uh, but he's going to be making these pencils that he apparently got a bunch of money on Kickstarter from. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. And then you said you're going to have a cobbler there too. Yeah, yeah. And I have already asked him if we can get uh, a custom pair of work boots, which is something I desperately need uh, instead of working in just tennis shoes. Ooh, that, that's, that's nice. Of course, you know, they're going to have to have cutouts for the summer. <laughs> detachable kind of toes on them yeah exactly exactly because i got a pair of work boots too but boy summertime comes around i'm back in tennis shoes yeah that's going to be interesting to how what the space is like it has a two two large you know 20 foot doors on either side that get a good draft and mm-hmm. then the school has the the bench room is has ac but then the uh, machine room is kind of open air so we'll see if it's uh if it's unbearable or not <laughs> Well, the the other thing we wanted to talk about with you is upcoming, I mentioned it at the top of the show, is the Texas Woodworking Festival. So what do we need to know about the Texas Woodworking Festival? 
Yeah. Well, the Texas Woodworking Festival is is basically what we have kind of uh, described as this mix of a woodworking convention and a beer festival and a, and a woodworking-themed farmer's market. It's a little bit of everything across the board for woodworking. And this was an event that we tried out this April, kind of when we had launched our our school and our first classes, and we, we called it a different name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called the Woodworkers of Austin Spring Social. And I actually remember an episode uh, on your guys' podcast where you talked about 10 minutes trying to remember what the name <laughs> was. Yeah, and, yeah, that, and, that, that would probably be me, yeah. What was the name of that? I went there, I recorded a bunch uh-huh. of five questions with the folks, and yeah, it was something. <laughs> you guys can be proud that you uh, you helped me rename the event to the Texas Woodworking Festival. There you go. Yeah. Branding but, is important. It is. It is. Yeah. And, you know, it was partly the idea of the original event was more about the meetup that I run, which is a, a woodworking social club uh, that is not necessarily about learning how to woodwork, but it's about meeting people and getting into the community uh, and meeting other people that have a, a shared interest. And people would always ask me, you know, hey, this particular meetup is a little far from me. I love it, but, you know, I want to know if there's any other ones. And people didn't realize that there were five, six, seven other groups uh, all over this area and, and ones that were specific to to turning or carving. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to start an event that got everybody in one room and kind of helped everybody get to know each other and, and you know, hey, we have all these woodworking groups here. Why not invite all the local sawmills and so people can figure out where to buy wood? Okay, well, some of the, the furniture makers want to also come. Okay, well, they can come too. And and before you know it, we, you know, had to get a bigger location and we had a bunch of, you know, participants in the event and we ended up maxing out the, the capacity of the brewery and, and held this event that kind of grew and evolved uh, out, of, out of nothing into a really, really fun event. And we realized that we had something and that it could be a, a fun yearly event to do. Uh, and that, you know, with a little bit of, of planning and, and building a website that we could even kind of monetize the event in a way that uh, would still be great for everybody and grow the community, but might be able to help raise some money for the school every year. So we've kind of uh, evolved into this this large event called the Texas Woodworking Festival that's happening in April as a way to to showcase what's going on in the woodworking community in Texas, but help the Austin School of Furniture and Design uh, stay in, in central Austin and <laughs> deal with the uh, expensive rent that we're mm-hmm. um, taking on. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, and it was a it was a fun event uh, that I attended, and I look forward. In fact, uh, uh, for our listeners, we're we're going to be there. We're going to be doing some other stuff than just uh, random interviews with folks. So more on that to come. But uh, we're real excited to be uh, participating in uh, the first annual. Texas Woodworking yeah. Festival, so uh, it's it's going to be exciting. So so right now, I know you're looking for for some sponsors. So who who do you have uh, sponsoring the the uh, festival right now? Yeah, we have lots of uh, attendees that are definitely interested in coming, and they'll be the people mm-hmm. that you're actually talking to. Mm-hmm. But we're looking for you know definitely local folks, but also any national companies that want to be involved. Uh, whether they actually want to come to the event or they just want to be on the website to kind of talk to some people, let people know what they're doing. But, you know, really anybody that's got something cool to offer to the woodworking community, we'd like to talk to them. So, you know, for instance, we have a, a really cool local uh, 
um, kind of high-end boot company called Helm Boots that wouldn't normally be considered a woodworking company, but they have lots of great woodworking boots that they, well, I guess they might not be qualified as woodworking boots, but to me, they, <laughs> they will are. for this show. <laughs> exactly. So they're actually donating a really awesome pair of boots to be in the raffle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rubio Monocoat is, is, you know, donating a kind of a starter kit uh, of all their great products uh, to be in the raffle. Bell Forest products, they're going to uh, offer up a gift card. And then everything from the people that will be there to then people who are helped supporting the event through you guys. Um, you know, we have a, a print company that's going to be live printing, uh, woodworking t-shirts, uh, a couple lumber mills that will be there, mm-hmm. Route Space, that CNC company. Uh, I just talked to Lynn Dowd today, who who runs the um, if you've been in Texas long enough, you'll probably end up hearing yeah. about the one old one old sore head and one nice guy vintage tool sale. Yeah. Mm. So he's bringing a bunch of tools down oh, to the event, fantastic. and we'll have all those for sale. Yeah. So really, really excited he's involved. Uh, and then, of course, you know Jason Thigpen from Texas Heritage is going to be one of our return uh, vendors, and we'll be there showing off all his stuff. And uh, we're talking to lots and lots of people that we're really hoping. Uh, we'll attend the event and be part of it and really kind of show off what they're doing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Every every time I go uh, up to Dallas, I always call the Dowds and see if I can come by and see what he's got for sale and see if I can pick up a pie from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> with with or out the cheese. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, so that's fantastic that he that he's coming down with some tools. Um, uh, Sean, for y'all in the. Uh, I guess the the upper Midwest and Northeast that just y'all can go to an antique store and just have to wade through all the hand planes that are there. You just can't do that here in Texas. I mean, the quality is not great all the time, but yeah, I mean, they're there. Yeah, but uh, but uh, Dow, they uh, he does go out there, and I you know I assume he protects his sources, but he does have some some fabulous uh, antique tools and rare stuff and you know users and uh what i found to be really reasonable prices so anyway so i'm excited about that um tell them to bring some uh, draw knives down okay i can do that <laughs> yeah he called me today we just want to make sure we're good to go good 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 so um so when do tickets go on sale for this for the festival well we're still working on a little bit of the permitting since we're mm-hmm. turning this big makerspace warehouse into a, an event space with a beer garden. Uh, we're hoping for the middle of January, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're playing on right now. So once we have uh, that set up, we'll, we'll definitely be pushing out some announcements all about that. But uh, if anybody's interested in, in kind of getting involved in the event, that's that's those are the people we're talking to right now and making sure that we kind of have lots of great stuff for everybody to see. Yeah, so um, for our listeners, if you're anywhere near Texas, this is definitely an event to go to. And um, we'll mention it later on the show, but there is a uh, web, uh, website already out there that has uh, some some information on there if you want to check that out. And that's uh, TexasWoodworkingFestival.com. So uh, be sure to check that out. And we'll mention that again here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So... Anything else that we're missing, either that we haven't talked about, either the school or the festival, that you'd like to share with us? Well, yeah, I think we've covered most of the kind of basics. We're we're really excited to to have this kind of new adventure that we've started this school, and we're we're hoping uh, that everybody comes and checks us out. And if you got a class that you don't see, let us know, and we'll hopefully 
get something together and, and find a teacher and plan it out. And we're, we're definitely learning just as much, if not more, as the students as we kind of build out the school and, and plan out the curriculum. And um, we have some, some pretty big plans for what we want to do. We, we have a kind of a capstone program that I want to have in the next couple of years that, uh, you know, when, when people talk about, you know, uh, these amazing furniture makers that are on Instagram that you see, uh, you know, I would love to to be in the conversation of, of, you know, that person went to this particular school. We we want to build out an apprenticeship program eventually that's kind of a multi-year program. So, you know, we whether it's a hobby and you just want to learn a skill or you want to make a career change, that's kind of what the, the school is going to try to help uh, the community do is, is, you know, meet those needs for more woodworkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of reminds me, I, I guess, aspirations. Isn't it the Portsmouth School that kind of has both uh, – short-term classes as well as long-term intensive classes that can go up to two years. Portsmouth. Yeah, I believe that. I could be getting that totally wrong, um, but out of, um, uh, let me see, one of our recent guests attended that school, and I thought it was Portsmouth. Portsmouth or Portsmouth? Maybe Portsmouth. Which probably has said Portsmouth. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, a lot of our, a lot of the instructors that we actually have right now went to the Center for Furniture Craftsmanship, which, which has a, a nine-month intensive. Okay. Yeah, it, that actually, you, you just kind of mentioned it. The, the idea that you could almost have, I mean, if it, if it fit, but if enough people showed interest in something, that you could find an instructor that would specialize in that and bring them in. I mean, that kind of space. It sounds like how many instructors do you have right now lined up? Uh, actually, on payroll, uh, <laughs> let's see. I would have to actually count because some of the classes haven't been posted yet. Um, I don't want to spoil any of those surprises. Well, you can estimate for safety. <laughs> ten. We'll say okay. ten. That's that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, of do they all kind of specialize in their own particular way or are they all kind of just even tradesmen where i mean you jack jack of all kind of guys uh they definitely yeah they definitely have specialties the you know you you guys have had patrick brennan on your show and and he's a you know a hand tool guy and um you know we have david heim who actually teaches our our sketchup classes he literally wrote the book on sketchup and and has Mm -hmm. a book out and uh, he's actually in Connecticut. And we do that class live online. But then, yeah, everybody's a, a furniture maker, but they they do have their specialty of, you know, Philip is very machine heavy and, and definitely knows how to use hand tools. But how he builds his furniture is with machines, and everybody has their style of whether it's more of a mid-century modern or green and green. That's the ki- type of projects and the techniques that they focus on, and we've tried to gear the classes towards the the skill set that they actually have oh yeah that's that's fair completely like um but yeah it's such a that's such a cool thing i've always you know you've been recording this show for years now and hearing about all the wonderful things you know different people are doing in the different areas of the country and uh yeah you're you're offering something kind of quite special i think at least in my eyes, from coming from where I am, there's there's yeah. a wood supplier, one wood supplier and one woodcraft within two hours of my house. So, <laughs> just saying. I, I, th- I thought you were in woodworking paradise up there in 
uh, Ohio. No, no, and 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 my my hand tool proclivities. You know, I think of New England being the mecca. You know, because that's where the traditional stuff is from, and mm-hmm. and, and all that other stuff. But no, yeah, mm-hmm. no, around specifically around here. I mean, I've been to woodworking shows of different ilks between WIA and when Wood Mag. Um, so, I, there was one just called Wood, but it wasn't Wood Magazine that did it. And anyway, I saw Frank Klaus at the show, but it was two hours north of here years ago. And the things kind of like they kind of float through. And I, at this point, I don't think, even think the the um, the woodworking. What is the one that travels around? Oh, uh, woodworking shows. Show. Yeah, the woodworking shows. shows. Yeah, I don't even think they stop within two hours of me now. Oh, Colum- in, like yeah. Columbus, which is like central Ohio, might be the closest. And I guess yeah. that's right around two hours from me. Yeah, but that's. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's kind of weird. It's not it's not the most thriving community, although it's decent enough. Mm-hmm. We have a great great lumberyard wood yeah. supplier. Well, um, there I don't it, think those shows are even coming uh, west of the Mississippi anymore. I think they're all on the east east side, Florida and the northeast. Yeah, I mean I I I don't know what it takes to to do that kind of stuff. So. I give, them, give them all the yeah. all the right in the world. To well, that way. well, hopefully the Texas Woodworking Festival will continue to uh, blossom and grow and uh, be its own thing here in our own little uh, backyard of Texas. Which, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because so, Kyle, you're obviously showing quite a bit of interest, and you've you've been to this. How far is Austin from where you are? It's Texas. It's only just down the road. <laughs> only just down the road is... Which means uh, about four and a half hours from me. Okay. About okay. 250 miles or so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That would get me out of my state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would get you out of most, most small in European any countries. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, yeah. and European countries. Yeah, that just gets me from the Gulf Coast to Central Texas. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's 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 not that big a deal. Um, but I, I will be spending the night this time. the the uh, The show last year, I drove up in the morning and drove back in the in the evening, and uh, that's not fun. But I had a great <laughs> time. But uh, they're getting there, and the uh, show was fun. Driving back, not so much. Mm-hmm. And but, you can't enjoy yourself at all the local bars at night. See? Exactly, exactly. You got to stay somewhat cognizant. So let let no one talk down the importance of the social life right. at the end of the event. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's we'll very, be, we'll very... We'll be having a little bit of that social life at the event. We uh, have a craft brewer that will be there distributing beer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a... It's a if you, it's same place that we held the event last year at School oh, Mechanics School, Brewing School, Company. Yeah. They, they will be at the event, and they're going to bring uh, quite a few kegs and, and show off some beer and um, we'll maybe have some other food and drink vendors, of course, and maybe mm. get some food trucks or food trailers that we call them in Austin. And uh, you'll be uh, able to hang out all day and, and sleep there if you need to, and you want to drive home. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Careful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you well, might have 100 people trying to shack up in your job yeah. space. And hopefully, uh is going to be making it. So uh, uh, we're still planning that out with him. So hopefully, there'll be two of us. Uh, Sean's still on, on the fence. Yeah, I think that's. What are the dates again? Is it early April? Yeah, April sixth. April sixth. Yeah, that that is a week after our spring break. So traveling for a week and then traveling again might be a little too much. Mm-hmm. Just just for the family. 
So yeah. I, I apologize. I don't believe I'll be able to make it, but yeah, I I wish I could because it sounds awesome. Yeah, but but that is funny. Uh, Diami and I were talking. Diami says, "Well, I'll just fly down to your uh, to your place. I'll stay with you, and then we can drive up to the to the festival." And I go, I "Realize <laughs> it's four and a half hours away. You might want to just fly into Austin, and I'll meet you there." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you tell him to, to get yeah. in touch with us, and we'll we'll find him a place to, to hang out while he's waiting for you to drive up. Yeah, yeah. No, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but with that said, uh, talking about uh, craft breweries and whatnot, let's get to our <laughs> fortnightly beer choices. Sounds good. So I'll start off, and um, I'm having what I've had before and what Sean had last week, and that's uh, mm-hmm. Shiner's Holiday Cheer which is a fantastic uh, holiday beer. Yeah, I really do need to get another pack of that because that, that was very good. So, uh, Sean, what are you drinking? So I picked up um, what I well, something I didn't realize what it was when I grabbed it. I just I do this thing because I just try everything. Mm-hmm. That if I see something I haven't seen before, I just I immediately go, oh, grab. And I, this, it, so I grabbed this four-pack um, of Boulevard's Plaid Habit which I, I don't even know where Boulevard comes from. Kansas City. Thank you. Wow, okay, well done. Um, so it's their limited release Canadian Whiskey Barrel Aged Imperial Brown Ale. Ah. And, um, I so, think I've seen that, but I haven't Yeah, tried you it. might have. And I don't, know, I don't know. When they say limited release, that, uh, that means mm-hmm. different things to different people. Um, but when I, when I open it up, and I use the Untapped app and, and check in everything there, I noticed then that it was 14%. <laughs> and I went, oh, oh. but it, it, but if that doesn't scare you away, it's actually quite good. It's 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 got the the barrel aging, so you get that whiff of of real heavy alcohol, um, but it's quite sweet and smooth. So mm. it's a good uh, and and an imperial brown. Not everybody does an imperial brown. It's just like you know, and thankfully it's not syrup thick. Having done that, but. It's uh, it's quite good. So yeah, if you if you see it, I encourage you to at least try it. It's 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 nice. Well, I I will hmm. have to do that. I want to say I've, I don't know if it was a plaid habit, but Boulevard sounds awful. Yeah, familiar. yeah, Boulevard. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look yeah. for more of them because this mm-hmm. was the first one that caught my eye, and and now I I'm thinking that I haven't seen them before. So maybe it's a new thing in my area that it's coming mm-hmm. this way. Um, that's happened more. Uh, Ohio, uh, what? changed their laws just i think last year if not two years ago to allow higher than 11 point some percent hmm. beer you know wine obviously or whatever but like this the the particular alcohol of beer they they capped it mm-hmm. and so now that that's lifted we're starting to see more stuff coming that it, you know kind of opens the doors a little bit which is kind of nice hmm. yeah if you're if you're able to get some of that boulevard Brewing company up there uh, grab some tank seven which is really good farmhouse ale they make okay that sounds that sounds good as well I like a good farmhouse well so austin, you austin you're you're well versed in yeah. in here it sounds like well, yeah boulevard boulevard's from kansas city and i'm born and raised kansan oh okay oh, oh really <laughs> i didn't know yeah, yeah. not originally right. from from texas i've only been here about four and a half years wow. how did you make no, let's side turn how did you make your way down to texas Okay, well, let's see. I lived in, in Kansas until uh, after college, uh, graduated during the recession, moved to Seoul, South Korea, 
lived there for four and a half years, moved back to Denver to be with my now wife. Uh, she got transferred and we moved to Austin for four-ish years to go. Wow. There you go. Wow. <laughs> So Seoul. Seoul, Korea. That's <laughs> we both picked up on that. So that must have been interesting. I hear that's like uh, living in you know the high tech wonder of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I often went to the gym and and ran on the treadmill while I watched other people play StarCraft on a TV in front of the actual treadmill. Uh, so it's video games and tech are, are definitely embedded into the culture over there. Wow, wow, that's that's interesting. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you didn't grow up in Austin. So um, <laughs> that, that's interesting. Your name's Austin. You wind up in Austin. I, I, kind of mm-hmm. ironic. Yeah. yeah. See, there are assumptions. There's, there's no yeah. relation there. Yeah. And then so, so anyway, so yeah. So okay, sorry. sorry. Do you have something to recommend for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. I don't know how I'm gonna pronounce this, but the, I'm drinking a beer from a, a local place that's. Uh, really close to where the school is moving into, uh, Hops and Grain. And it's the Lupulin or Lupulian Rodeo. And it's an IPA that's not too bad. It has a little kind of grapefruit fruitiness to it, uh, kind of on a lighter side. It's right at the top end of, of my uh, hoppiness, my personal hoppiness scale. But uh, it's definitely a, a really good choice for an IPA. Hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, one of my favorite IPAs is always the uh, Deep Ellum IPA from Dallas area. That's a great one. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like that one. And then, of course, I don't know if you drink any of the Carbach or St. Arnold's, the Art Car or the um, Hopadillo or some of those brands, but I, I tend to like those also. Not quite as much as Deep Ellum, but I don't know. I, I grew up in the Dallas area, so it's probably more of a, of a uh, I guess, connection to the past more than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but thank, thanks for the recommendation so um before we uh get too far uh towards the end of this show um let us know where uh, folks can find you at yeah well for the school we can be found on the interweb at austinschooloffurniture.com uh on instagram at austin school of furniture facebook uh, facebook.com slash austin school of furniture uh, we don't necessarily use our Twitter account. I know there's some debate on this podcast about what the most important social media <laughs> yeah, <laughs> network Twitter, is. Yeah, Twitter is uh, useless. It's it's old school. It's, it's well, well, I think you I think you have to put a, a disclaimer there for for those that are in tech. Twitter is still very quite relevant. Oh uh, yeah, it is. Which I'm, it is. I'm on Twitter all day every day, uh, just not for the woodworking school. We do have a Twitter account, but. Uh, I honestly don't use it. So uh, check us out on any of those for the school and for the Texas Woodworking Festival. It's texaswoodworkingfestival.com. And then you can follow us on Instagram at Texas Woodworking Festival. Oh, Excellent. I didn't realize y'all had an Instagram account too. Okay. We do. Only two posts. We're not necessarily trying to do much with it yet, uh-huh. but it will become a, a major part of, of what we're doing uh, once we get into January and we start posting about individual uh, attendees and obviously sponsors and then kind mm-hmm. of live might have some live aspects of of the actual event on instagram all right fantastic i'll give that a follow right so sean where can folks find you so you can find me uh on most social medias uh untapped instagram twitter probably all of them i'm sean w78 I think I did that all the and and my my actual name Sean Wisniewski on Facebook. Go ahead and, and find me, stalk my children. No, please don't. 
Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> That's the fourteen percent talking right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, uh, you can find me at Barton.Kyle on Instagram, the only social media platform that matters. Diami is going to come back with a fury. You know that. I know he is. I know he is. <laughs> Too fun. All right. Well, go ahead. Nope. All right. And and uh, that just about wraps up the show for us. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this show on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Then you'll find us and never miss any of these great episodes that we uh, that we host here. Uh, while you're there, leave us a review. And so uh, we get to expose to more people. And thank you for listening to the Modern Woodworkers Association. If you like the show, please sure to visit us at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national, on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast, or like MWA on Facebook. The best thing you can do, though, is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussions. So with that, go out and move into a new shop and start your own woodworking school in your area.